0: Welcome to the Life Church podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Church, how are you today? Good morning, good morning. We want to welcome our guests that are with us. We love to give a great clap for all those that came. We're glad you're here today. Invite you to come back and be a part of our amazing church. So good. Uh, Shout out to Echo Day. I want to just, just compliment and say, Lachlan Holmes, you are a fantastic youth pastor, and we appreciate your heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know you don't do it alone. There's a young lady that helps you. I'm pretty fond of her. My daughter, Bailey, your wife, she does amazing with you. So, hey, listen, before I get to my message, I want to give us a quick update on our Courageous campaign and the progress we're making on our new building facility, the renovation. So let me tell you what's going on. First of all, our Courageous campaign. Last spring, we launched a campaign to raise one point five million dollars, and our church then made commitments to try to reach that goal and you can see on the screen where we did we had a we reached a goal of one point four six one million, so that 's one million four hundred sixty one thousand and then the rest all of it every penny matters. I, I would like to know who did the penny because I love you because you you prayed about it you 're like that 's what i 'm doing, and um, so it 's awesome but uh, here 's the next line though I want to let you know that that since we started all of this, we have collected $435,000 towards our campaign. <laughs> Amazing, the generosity in this church just blows me away and I wanna say thank you for that. Now, um, some people have asked me, they, because I have announced that we have our land under contract, and the beauty is the selling things right now is great. So we actually received an offer and we're under contract for a price that was above our asking price. And so that's amazing. And so it is, it is in process of going through all of the, the hoops they have to go through with the city to get all the approvals and zones, zoning and all of that. And uh, so all that's going on. But someone mentioned to me that since we have our land under contract, does that mean we no longer need Our courageous campaign do we do we still need those dollars and I just want to explain to you what is going to what so you understand you know what's happening with the the money that you are generously giving and so first of all the land will pay for the renovation of the building which is amazing that God has provided a way to do that but what the land will not provide for are all of the the brand new chairs now we have chairs we've got chairs but some of you have said to me, you want cushiony chairs. And, and so we're all in for the cushiony chairs. And so, amen. And so, um, so the renovation, um, the the property will not pay for new chairs. It will not pay for brand new equipment in the auditorium that will be needed because we're moving into a bigger auditorium and there's lights and, and updated video stuff. And Uh, all kinds of things that go into an auditorium. There's going to be sound panels that that help damper the sound and make it a beautiful sounding place. And so all of that's going to be in our courageous campaign. Also, the the coffee shop, there's equipment and things that are part. Go ahead, you can get your clap in. The coffee shop. We've been on a coffee drought here for a while, and so it's coming back. So if no other reason, give to the Courageous Campaign so you can get coffee again at church. But um, but it pays for that. It pays for, the Courageous Campaign will pay for all of the equipment that goes into our children's ministry. Uh, Yes, if there's a place that... It's probably the most important place we can invest will be in the next generation in our children's ministry. And so we want to we wanna, we wanna set our kids up for absolute success and for our parents that bring their children in. Um, So the courageous campaign pays for that. Um, All the office furniture. I'm going to need a a desk. And so we're going to, you're going to help me have a desk. And so um, all the furniture that's in the lobbies and all the decorations, everything like that is part of the courageous campaign. And so I just want to let you know that you have done a great job up to this point. Let's continue. Let's finish the race and see what God does. Now, where are we with our, our renovation project? Well, we haven't started yet, I'm sorry to say, um, but we're, we're a little closer than we were the last time I talked about it. And we're down to one, I'm going to call it a gnat, one gnat that we have to get rid of before we can begin. And so there is a piece in a contract with our buyer and the ability to get a loan that is being resolved. Uh, we're waiting for lawyers to finish their conversation so that we can close on our loan. Let me, let me back up and tell you why we're getting a loan. The property is going to take over a year to close. We don't want to wait a year before we start a renovation. So we have a bank that's going to loan us a bridge loan until the land uh, sells and closes. And when it closes, we'll pay off the bridge loan. And so we're just in the middle of a a little thing with our contract to make that work. And the moment, I mean, the exact moment that we find out that all is cleared and our builder is, is starting renovations, I will let you know. I promise. And we're going to have a party. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to be like, you know, floating that Sunday when we come in because we're all excited about the future. So I just want to let you know where we are. We're close. Hasn't started yet. Um, I would suspect that probably we're, we're, we're days or weeks away from finding that news and moving forward. I'm not promising that, though, because, gosh, when you work with these types of things, I'm never surprised at what I'm surprised at. All right. So. So let's pray. We're going to jump into a message. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that as we worship you, we we sense your manifested presence in this house. God, that is so important to us to be able to experience you on Sunday. Thank you for our worship team that, that ushers us into your presence. And Lord, we know that when we meet with you that all things are possible. And so through this day, God, I ask that you would strengthen us, that you would build our faith, you would heal, deliver, do all the things that you do, Father. We really love you. God, I pray as I preach this message today that your words would uh, be in my mouth and I would communicate them in a way that builds faith today. In Jesus' name, can I get a really great amen to get started? Thank you very much. Thank you. Hey, I want to just continue in our series called seasons the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3: 1 it says to everything there is a season a time for every purpose under heaven so we have seasons that are in our weather are in the outside but we all go through seasons in our life and so I believe that there is a a purpose through the seasons. I believe God helps us through the seasons. There's biblical answers through the seasons, and so we're just tackling the different seasons that we go through. In week one, we talked about the dry season, that season when, when we are in that place where we feel a little disconnected from God. We feel like there's some distance from God, and what is going on, and how do we navigate that? Last week, we talked about the waiting season, and that's the season between when we pray for something and there's fulfillment in that prayer and that time between that. Today, I want to tackle another topic, another season that we all go through, and it's the difficult season. There are seasons in our life that, that are abnormally difficult. I mean, there's always difficulties, but there are seasons it feels like it's, the weight of it is greater. Maybe we feel there's more tack in our life. Maybe there's just this multiple types of things that are running into our life. And it's a difficult season. And I want to talk about that today. My sermon title will give you a little heads up of where we're going today. And my title is this, it's Persevering Faith. And we have to learn to persist through the difficulties and resist the temptations to to fall away, resist the temptations to, to form bad attitudes in this season of our life. And so today I want to take us to the book of James. We're going to study out of James. We're going to take just a couple verses and, and really dig in. If you, if you really like a message that, that really digs into a word-for-word word understanding of, of Scripture, today's going to be a great day for you because we're going to dig a little bit and find some amazing answers that, that many of us are asking. Now, you may not like the answer that, that is given to us today. And just to be honest, I, I really don't like the answer as much either. So don't shoot the messenger today. But here's the reality is that we would be fools to not listen to Scripture and listen to what James says about difficulties. Because we are all facing difficulties in our life. The answer that we want to know is what do we do in the difficulties? How do we face these difficulties? And for some people, uh, I don't know what your difficulties are, but some it could be something to do with a job in some way. You, you Maybe you're not making enough and it's a struggle or maybe you can't find the job and, and it's a struggle for you. It's a difficulty. Maybe for some it has to do with a sickness in your life and it just it is persisting. And you're like, how do I persist through this? And for some, maybe it has something to do with housing. Maybe you, you need a house and can't find the house, can't afford the house. Maybe you're trying to sell a house. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe it's in a business. Maybe you own a business and you're, you're, you're struggling with the profits this year. And Maybe you can't seem to get it off the ground. I, I, listen, I, I can't determine what all the problems are, but, but I know in some way life has its pressures from the difficulties in our life. And, and here's the thing for you, church. We don't choose the difficulties. The difficulties choose us, right? Like you don't go out and pick the ones you want. It doesn't work that way. They, they pick you. And the reality is that we all have a chapter in the story of our life of a difficult season. And we, when we get to that chapter, when we get through chapter one and we get to chapter two, and it's the, you see the title of it, The Difficult Season of Your Life, I mean, we all want to flip through that chapter really quick. You know, like, let's just skip that one, get to the next one. But we don't get to skip the chapter that comes and if you learn to persist, if you learn to, to persevere through the difficulties and persevere through that chapter of your life, God will use it to strengthen your life. And depending on how you go through that chapter of your life will actually help determine the, and, and define how you move forward in your life. And so this brings us to the book of James. And, and I want to give you a little understanding of why James can talk about difficulties Because I think that it's helpful to know what he is saying in his text relating to what he is going through in his life. And so let me tell you a little bit about James for just a moment. So first of all, what we're going to read is out of the book of James, and James authored his own book. Now, James is the brother of Jesus, so he's his natural brother. James is also the pastor of the church in Jerusalem in the very first century. So he led this church for 30 years. He led the church in Jerusalem for 30 years. And this church was formed after the death and resurrection of Christ. And after the coming of the Holy Spirit, the first church was formed. And at some point, James became the pastor of this very first church that we read about in the book of Acts. Now, while he was leading this first church, things are not going well. It was a a difficult season for this church and for for James. So when the people received the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that 3,000 people came to, to give their life to Christ and they formed this church in Jerusalem. And you need to understand that Jerusalem was the epicenter for the Jewish faith. And so for them to choose to follow Jesus meant in some ways they were rejecting the the Jewish life. And as a result, the community, the Jewish community rejected anyone that decided to follow Jesus Christ. They ostracized them. They they called them blasphemers. They, they, They said they were heretics. And they cut them off from all facets of community life. They cut them off from business practices. They cut them off from being able to come to the temple. A neighbor would not talk to the neighbor beside them. A neighbor would not help you if you were in trouble because you had chosen to follow Jesus Christ. The church also was suffering under significant persecution. They were beaten for their decision to follow Christ. They were flogged. Some were even stoned to death. Life was so difficult for the people who were in the first church in Jerusalem. Things were so bad that the apostle Paul, as he planted churches in the region around, he would circle back to those churches and he would raise money from those churches and deliver it to the Christians that were in Jerusalem because they were so impoverished for choosing to follow Jesus Christ. And so for 30 years, James is the pastor of this church that is carrying the weight and the burden of difficulties. As a pastor, he was seeing his people in these significant difficult places. I would say that James was surrounded by and responsible for a community of Christians in crisis. And with all of that going on in his community, in his church as he pastored it, this is what he said to his flock and he's saying it to you and I as well. So it starts in James 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So just for a moment though, I want you to pause that and think about that thought. So Jesus is James's natural brother. They are brothers. They grew up together, played together, all the things that kids do. They probably wrestled, they probably argued. I don't know, did Jesus argue? I don't know. But somehow, whatever it was, they were were brothers. James did not believe that Jesus was the son of God all the way in their growing up phase. But after the resurrection and after Jesus came back to life, he visited his brother and goes, see, I told you so. That's when James said, you are the son of God. And he became a follower and he began to call his brother, Lord. Now that ought to be proof that Jesus really is the son of God. When a brother can call his brother, Lord, can I get an amen? So, James goes on and this is what he says and I want you to know it's a familiar verse but it's hard to understand. James says this in all of these difficulties that I just shared with you. He says consider it pure joy. What? Like that's not an answer I want to hear. Consider it joy he says my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials Of many kinds so what I want to do is to just break down this because that's a hard section of scripture to apply in your life and so I'm gonna take it almost word-for-word I'm gonna shift the alignment of the verse just a little bit to give it explanation but let me take you to James 1 2 again and let me start it like this that James says that whenever you face trials of many kinds whenever not if ever Everybody recognize that that we don't choose whether or not we get to go through difficulties. Listen, you can't pray away all the difficulties in your life. You can't even obey God enough to get rid of all the problems in your life. And you sure can't pay them away. They're coming. Difficulties are coming. Because that's the nature of our world today. That's the nature of how things are today. As the jets fly over to acknowledge us. So the nature of things. And here's what happened. That sin entered the world through Adam and Eve. And when sin entered the world, so did all of the difficulties, all of the problems, all of the sorrows, all of the pains, all of the tears. Everything entered with sin, with Adam and Eve. So we can determine that God doesn't cause us the problems, sin is responsible for that. Amen? So you don't have to listen, this is where the sermon's not gonna go. I'm not going to say, God gave you a problem, praise Jesus for it, because he's going to make you better out of it. No, we're not saying that. There's another way to understand joy in this sermon today. So we're not going to escape our difficulties until we reach heaven. It says that whenever, James 1, 2 goes on to say, whenever you face, now face is an interesting word here. Face is, is, is a word that if you dig it, it means to be surprised by and so it's indicating that, that your trials and your difficulties are just gonna, they're gonna happen probably when you least expect it in life. I would relate it to like, if you've ever been hiking on a trail and you're looking at all the beautiful leaves and suddenly you, you trip on a root that's on the, on the trail and you fall and you, you, know, you skin your elbows and you didn't see it coming. And, and often if you've ever done that, which I have, you trip on it, fall and you're like, Where did that come from? How did that root pop up just as I was walking by? Because it, it surprises you when it happens. And I think what James is wanting to say to us is that we need to be ready in season and out of season for the difficulties. You may not be in a situation now, but at some point they're going to pop up in your life and you need to understand the rest of this text and so difficulties are going to come. They don't send out like, say, the date cards. You know, like, hey, this is coming. It happens. And again, back to James, he says this: Whenever you face face trials of many kinds, listen. If I were to go around this room today and say, what are you going through, and what are you going through, and what are you going, we would have as many different kinds of problems and difficulties as I talk to people. This past week, I was in my my life group, my freedom group, which I love freedom groups and next semester when we have freedom groups, I would recommend you get in a freedom group if you can. but in our group this week, we were discussing the fact that there were four ways that that neg- four things that have happened in our life that have negatively impacted our life and and if they 're still impacting and, and, and you know bothering us in our life, then we need to go back to that and and get freedom from those four areas, one of those four areas. And so uh, we went around the room and we said, you know, which one of those areas most impacts your life? And all of us had something and a story about how this has come up in our life. And one of the things that I I realized in that is that, that everybody has a story. Everybody has a chapter in their life. And it gives a little grace to understand people when they're they're responding in some way that maybe you don't understand. It happens to be that they're they're still living out of this old chapter. And it gives us grace for one another because we all have a chapter. And we need to understand that when James was writing that, he was writing this to a, a church body And he's encouraging them to to pull together in this season, to to lift one another, to pray for one another, rather than separate, we need each other. And I would say that's the same for this church body as well, that we need each other. When life is difficult, all the more we should show up here to be encouraging to one another. Amen? 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 Thank you. All the more. James goes on. And he says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, and he makes this, this, this word here, he says this, he says, consider it. So whenever you face trials of many kinds, he's like, consider this. And what he's saying to you and I is that in the moment of trials, we need to adjust our perspective or adjust the way we think about the trials in our life. He's saying that that we need to reframe our problem, our difficulty, and we need to see it and think about it in a different way. And that's when he says, whenever you face these trials of many kinds, he's like, consider it pure joy or think about it as joy. You know, reframe this situation as a place of joy. Now, when he says that to me, I'm like, no, no. Like, I resist that in my life. Like, I don't want to celebrate difficulties. That, that's not anything that's in my makeup and probably not yours. And so I'm like, how can he say this? How can he get away with telling me to be joyful when I'm going through these difficult circumstances? Then he goes on to say, he says, because. He's like, this is, this is the answer to that. Because, he says, you know. He's like, you're going to know something. He said, you're gonna know that the testing, what's being tested, your faith is being tested. And what happens when your faith is tested, it produces perseverance in your life. James is writing to his church in difficulties. And he's saying to them, he says, maybe you don't remember this. And I need you to know this. I need you to recall this to mind. Maybe in the middle of your difficulties, you've lost sight of some benefits that God is doing in your life. And it's so easy when we're in the middle of difficulties to lose sight of something God is doing and have our sight on the problem. And he says, maybe in the middle of this trial, you you need to pause. Maybe in the middle of this difficulty, you need to stop and you need to take a deep breath and to see what God is doing in these circumstances. And this is what James says. He says, you're going to discover something in this trial. You're gonna, the test is going to serve as a discovery process in your life. And what is being tested? We're being tested to see if our faith is authentic and real. In the trial, it tests us. It, it, it exposes us. Let's put it this way. It exposes the authenticity of our faith. In other words, listen, anybody can praise Jesus when things are good. Anybody can come to church when you're making money and everything's clicking and your marriage is perfect. And you know, your car runs just right, and, and you know there's plenty of food at home and you've lost 10 pounds and you don't even know how, you're like, "Man, I can praise Jesus then. Amen? Like it's easy to praise God then. But the, 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 the truth about your faith is exposed when things aren't going well. But the mark of authentic faith is that you can praise God, when there are difficulties in your life, amen? And that's what is being exposed here. What is in our hearts when the difficulties come? Am I right, church? When I am hit with a trial, talk about me for a minute. When I'm hit with a trial, I'm a, I'm, I immediately discover something about my faith. When, when this trial pops up, unexpectedly this problem does my response to that reveals something about my faith, my, my decision to, to keep pressing in with God or to, to get frustrated at God, my decision to, to continue to pray and to continue to serve reveals something about myself in a trial, but also for you too. When a trial pops up in your life, when, when, Trials of many kinds come. You will discover something about your faith too. You will discover in that moment what you really believe. When the trials come up, you'll discover what you really, really believe, right? You'll, you'll discover if, if your faith is, is built on, on a solid foundation. You'll discover in the trials about what you've been pretending to believe, you'll discover so much about yourself in the trial. Whether or not you have genuine faith is revealed in the trial. I, I saw this by quote by Pastor Andy Stanley, and I think it's a brilliant quote. He said that when circumstances deteriorate, artificial, counterfeit, and what's in it for me faith deteriorates right along with it. You see, depending on what your faith is built on, this, the strength of your faith, and if your faith is, is, is built on happy thoughts and, and great circumstances, and what's in it for me and artificial faith, that when things start deteriorating, then your faith will deteriorate with it. But that's not who God's calling us to be. And here's what I believe James is telling his church Through these difficulties, and he's telling Life Church today that there is joy in discovering how genuine your faith really is. That's what the joy is all about. It's not joy about the circumstances, it's joy about finding out where you really stand with your Savior. In the midst of trials, we learn a lot about ourselves, we learn a lot about our spouses. In the midst of trials, we even learn about our children if they have genuine faith or if they're just relying on mom and dad's faith. We learn a lot about our pastor going through trials because trials reveals what's in our heart. I believe James is saying about joy through these difficult things. I think it really means it's just good to know where you stand. Just good to know. It's good to know what's in your heart. There's no other way of finding it out either. And, Paul and James says, you'll find out in your trials. It's good for you to know if your faith is, is fake. And that's what he's saying. So he goes on to say this. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It produces something. It produces perseverance. And perseverance is the ability to, to hold up under pressure. It's it's the ability to to stand strong under stressful situations. If your faith is authentic, then trials will make your faith stronger. Trials automatically exercise your faith. And exercise is good for us, right? All right, let me try it again. Working out. And, and sweating and, and picking up heavy stuff and setting it down over and over. What does that do? It exercises your muscles. That's, that's how resistance is what builds muscles in our life. Some people even run from one place and back home for no reason at all, except to be healthy. And you know, well, God bless the runners of this world. Listen, if you see me running down the street, pick me up because something is chasing me, all right? So I don't run, uh, but I'll go to the gym and pick up stuff and set it down and, and things like that. But the only way to get stronger is to, is to push, is to, is to press in and press against the, the obstacle in your life. And, and what obstacles and difficulties do is it's like going to the, the gym of faith and, it, and as you press on it and you, you stay in it, and you persevere, then your your faith muscles are beginning to grow in the middle of that. And what you are going through now, the strength that you're building on this particular difficulty is preparing you for anything that life throws at you. You'll be ready. So Paul, I'm sorry, James, he, he continues and... He says to finish your workout is basically what he says. He's like, don't stop your workout in the middle. Well, it kind of says that way. He says, let perseverance. He says, finish its work. Let it finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. So let let the let the 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 pressing and the and the perseverance continue because because God will will use that to build in your life. He says, but. I think there's a a way for you to view it that he's saying, hey, don't quit trusting God in the middle of your difficulties. Don't stop, finish the work, keep going. Don't stop believing, keep persevering through your trials. Don't give up on God. To make it real easy, I think you could say it like this. Keep praying in the middle of your trials. Keep believing, keep worshiping. Keep going to church because when you do, God will use that type of faith to accelerate your spiritual growth in life. I'm going to deviate for just a, a tad. I believe one of the problems in America is that America has gotten really soft. We've raised our children on participation trophies rather than teaching them how to deal with the difficulty of loss. We have, we have, we have walked away from America, a, a land of opportunity where people understood the value of hard work and, and, and responsibility and, and service to others and how to, how to overcome difficult things in life and we've we've gotten soft. America used to be strong. Matter of fact, in 1961, newly elected Democrat, John F. Kennedy, in his inaugural address, he said this, he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. It's a stark difference to what we hear today. Today, they're, we're, we're just, we're so soft. We're like, well, I can't go through the difficulty. I need, a, I, I need a little room to sit in while I overcome. I'm telling you the truth, right? Take care of me. Give me, give me, give me, give me. I mean, that's the, that's the culture of today. And here's the problem, though that attitude has crept into the American church. Mm. We have built a comfortable form of Christianity to where Christians don't have the fortitude to stand for biblical values today. And And when difficulties come, when, when people object to what we believe, we, we lack that, that ability to stand on the word of God in the face of objection today. We so often are more of a man pleaser than a God pleaser when it comes to biblical values today. We've gotten soft. And God says no to that. We need to be a strong body And in the church, when many of the difficulties have come, instead of persevering in faith, many have walked in fear. And we got to be strong. And listen, church, the kingdom of God is not going soft. God is raising up an army. He's raising up a group of people that will stand for the kingdom of God. He's raising up a group of people that will stand for God through all circumstances. He's just raising up a faith-filled, spirit-filled group of people that will say, God, I will praise you in the difficulties. I don't care what happens in America, but I will praise you, serve you, give you my life all the way to the end. Can I get an amen, church? So James finishing up his, his teaching. I think he understands that making this whole comment that joy in your difficulties and letting it reveal our true faith. I mean, I I, I think he gets that that's important, but I think he's not unaware of how much of a brain, you know, flip that is for us. So he gives us one more great bit of encouragement as we, walk through difficulties. And so he says in James 1 12, he continues and he says, blessed, which means the, the, the incredible favor of God on your life. He's like God's incredible favor. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so what is the crown of life? Well, I don't know, but it sounds really good. And you know what? You don't know either because it's not fully described. Some would say, well, the crown of life is eternal salvation. No, it's not. No, that's not it. Because you don't have to earn that. You don't have to persevere to get that. You just believe in Jesus. You're saved. Somehow this crown of life is something additional so when you get to heaven, there's going to be some way for those who persevered in faith that, that Jesus can go, well done, my good and faithful servant, here is a crown of life. And I don't know what it is, but I bet it's awesome. Just, I, I'm just, I just knowing God, it's going to be really great. You know, I don't know what it looks like, but it's going to be great. But here's the whole point of this text here. The point of this is the promise of the crown of life is this, that God values persevering faith. He places a premium on that because we'll go through difficulties and he brings his reward for those who persevere. So again, the scripture all laid out together, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person received the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I'm, I should be done. I'm not done. You got just an extra three minutes to hang with me. Can you hang with me just a little bit longer? I mean, you kind of held captive. I'm sorry. I mean, what are you going to do? You, you know, in the back row, you can slip out. All right. But the front rows, you're here with me. I want to give you just six things that I think are practical advice for going through difficulties. And these are Tim's advice. So now they're, they're grounded in scripture. You'll understand that, but, but maybe take a picture of that because I, I'll need that. My wife will remind me when I'm missing this, which is great, but I want to live this way. When I'm going through difficulties, my first commitment is, is I will walk with Jesus every day. I don't know what life's coming. I don't know what's coming. I don't know when my next chapter is. I don't know I, who knows. But I just want to have pre-decided that whenever that chapter comes, it's not a choice of whether or not I continue to walk with Jesus or not. To the very last breath of my life, regardless of whatever it is that happens from today on, I want my testimony to be Tim walked with Jesus through it all. Amen. Amen. I want that to be your testimony. Number two, I want you to know that I will believe that all things are possible with God. I'm not going to let difficulties define what I believe about God. I believe that God is good. And I believe that God is near. And I believe that God answers prayer. And I believe that God, with God, all things are possible. And so I will live every day with an optimistic view of who God is in my life. And whether he instantly takes care of something or allows me to persevere, I'm gonna stand with a belief that all things are possible with God. Amen. Number three, I will be grateful and live every day to the fullest. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to find, listen, I don't care how bad life gets. I'm going to choose to find a grateful heart. I'm going to be grateful that I'm saved. I'm going to be grateful that heaven awaits. I'm going to be grateful that my wife still loves me. I'll find some, I'm going to live at a place of gratitude in life and, and I'm going to live it to the fullest. Whatever that looks like in that season, I'm going to live it to the fullest. That's how I'm going to live. Number four, I will bless my family and friends with words and actions. In other words, I'm not going to be Debbie Downer all the time. I'm not going to bring them down. Now, I'll be honest and get prayer, don't get me wrong. But, but I'm going to bless my family and I'm going to bless my friends and, and I'm going to let my words and my actions dictate what I believe about God and not what's going on in difficulties. And number five, I will make a difference with my life. In other words, I'm going to stay in my calling regardless what's going on. I'm going to keep preaching and keep loving and keep serving and keep doing whatever God's called me to do until he takes me home or he changes my calling. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I'm just going to stay true to making a difference with my life. I've already pre-decided that. I'll give you an example that's not going to happen, all right? So this is, this is fake news. Um, but let's just, let's just pretend that somehow everything with our building falls apart. Just... And the only place I get to preach is, is here for the rest of my life. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to keep making a difference with my life. And I'm going to keep preaching to about the 12 of you that will stay with me. Amen? Here it'll be here. Now, that's not going to happen. All right, we're going to move forward. That was hypothetical just to get the point across. Last, I want you to know, number six, I will not give up. I will not give up. I will persevere. I will continue to serve my God. I will continue to go to church. I'll continue to believe. I'll also look for solutions to whatever's nagging at me. Listen, I'm one of those kind of people that instead of becoming a victim to it, I'm going to go, all right, what's the problem? Let's Let's solve that thing. If I have to get a side hustle to make it happen, whatever it takes, I'm going to keep pushing forward in life and I'm not going to let life dictate who I am and what God's doing in my life. Can I get an amen church? Amen. 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 Awesome. Well, that was four minutes. That wasn't too bad. You made it. Um, I have one last thing for you today. Um, I have one point and then I have a salvation invitation, but I want you to know difficulties will not define my life, but how I go through them will. And that's what I want for you. If you're here today and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you that invitation today. I don't know how you got here. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what chapter of your life you're in. But there's a chapter of your life that needs to happen. And that chapter is where you surrender your life to Jesus and you make Jesus Lord of your life. James had that moment when he believed that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And you can have that same moment right now. And as a result of that, your sins will be forgiven. Your life will be made new from the inside out. The Holy Spirit will live inside of you and he'll help you. He'll strengthen you. He'll get you through the difficult times of life. But it begins with Jesus. And here's what I want you to know. On the far left of the screen, you are loved by God. God loves you. He cares about you. He chooses to love you and I, not on anything we have done or haven't done. God is love. He chooses to love you. It's our sin, though, that has put this distance between us and God. That's why Jesus came to earth and he, he paid for our sin at the cross. The punishment for our sin was placed on him so that you and I are forgiven and free. We believe that Jesus died on the cross. To be a Christian, you believe that Jesus died for your sins. To be a Christian, you believe that. And today you can choose that and make Jesus your Lord and Savior today. So would you bow your heads real quick. Father, in this room there's probably one, two, three or more that are ready to make that choice today. And God, I pray that as I Give them this opportunity that they would choose to believe in Jesus. If you're here today and you're ready to choose to believe in Jesus, would you lift your hand to me? I'd love to see your hand. Lift it high so I can see. Thank you, Lord. Father, you're so good. Would you pray this with me? All together. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me. I'm sorry for my sin that separated me from you. Now I turn to Jesus for salvation. I receive forgiveness of my sins. And as of today, I am saved. I am born again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen. God bless you, church.